Charlotte Soccer Show. John Hayes here. Danny Bramlett, of course, joining me here very, very shortly. Um, currently here at Camp North End. Just truly a, an unbelievable development in this Charlotte community. And we have a special guest here today that has played a huge role in developing this community and, quite frankly, making Charlotte a better place to live. Now, if you were at the inaugural kit launch party here, you were at Camp North End. If you were at the playoff watch party last season against Red Bull New York, you were here at Camp North End as well. And today, just a few minutes ago, Danny Brams and I had a chance to speak with former MLS Rookie of the Year, Supporters Shield winner, U.S. Open Cup winner, Tesho Akindeli. Tesho Akindeli, a fantastic career in professional soccer, moved here to Charlotte to take the next step in his life. And we talk about that. We talk about at the end of your soccer career, what's next? What are you going to do for the rest of your life? It's a huge, huge decision for a lot of these players. We talk about Charlotte FC, a new manager, Dean Smith. We talk about urbanism, being an urbanist. What does that mean? Tesho explains that to us, and he's got some great stories about his time, both with Dallas, with Orlando, and of course, playing and scoring the game-winning goal against Charlotte FC. Don't hold that against him. Trust me, the work he's done here at Camp North End certainly makes up for that moment in Charlotte FC history. And of course... Today's episode is presented by our friends at Hopfly Brewing Company, and I've got news for you. If you are an IPA lover, you have to check out Hopfly's latest. It's called Desire. Desire is a hazy IPA. It is absolutely phenomenal. Make sure you get over there this week and this weekend to try this new IPA at Hopfly called Desire. In case you missed it on the last episode, the Vancouver match, it's the first away day of the season for Charlotte FC. It has been moved from 10.30 Eastern to 7.30 Eastern time, a kickoff that means 4.30 Pacific time. Charlotte FC way out on the West Coast in Vancouver for the first time. We'll be all at Hopfly with you, the TFOs, with the Charlotte Soccer City supporters. It's going to be the inaugural away day bash at Hopfly. Make sure you're there on March 2nd. It's going to be a fantastic evening. For now, we really appreciate you listening to this episode, and I think you're going to enjoy what is a super unique and meaningful episode of the Charlotte Soccer Show. So, here's Tesho Akindeli. All right, Tesho Akindeli is our guest. Thank you for joining us, Tesho. We are here in a beautiful day in Charlotte, blue skies all around, in Camp North End at uh, Hex Coffee Shop, uh, enjoying a little coffee, a little tea. A little tea, yeah. yeah. yeah I got myself a black tea. Uh, a former, you know, an MLS uh, and a U.S. Open Cup champion, and now a uh, retired MLS player who is doing big things in the Charlotte real estate and development market. Uh, Tesho, welcome to the Charlotte Soccer Show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate you guys coming out to Hex Coffee, best coffee shop in the city, and kind of right in the middle of Camp North End, which is you know my new project that I'm working on here. So I can't decide, Danny. Like, what resume is more important? You mentioned the soccer stuff, right? Mm -hmm. You were like, okay, you know, he's a rookie of the year. He's won the supporter shield. Mm -hmm. He's got the U.S. Open Cup. You think to yourself, damn, like that's a good resume. But then you like start to research and pour into what you're doing here locally with Camp North End as an urbanist, and you. And you Two totally different pathways, but equally as impressive. So, like locally here in Charlotte, as an urbanist, right? We can talk about your soccer career, but what are you doing here locally, and why are you up in Camp North? Yeah, so um, you know, as, as my soccer career was coming to an end, I thought, you know, what do I want to spend the rest of my life doing? Because <laughs> unfortunately, in sports, like I love playing, but there's there's a time ending date for everybody. Uh, so I was like, okay, what am I gonna spend the rest of my life doing? And I was interested in things like affordable housing and diversity, education, personal finance, real estate investing, um, and kind of literally through Twitter talking about that stuff, I got introduced to the idea of walkable neighborhoods, urbanism, and real estate development, and Amazing. just the really the power that development 
can, can, it can shape the whole city. You know, like you said, we're here in a coffee shop that did not exist a year ago and we're having a good time. Like, that's the power of real estate development, just opening up opportunities for people to come together, community, and kind of set the base for society. So that's why real estate development and then Camp North End. Um, I was going to move to Charlotte because of my wife's job. She works for a big accounting company. And Coming so, from Orlando, for people who don't know the resume. So yep. Finished your career uh, down there at Orlando City. Yep, so we were coming from Orlando up to Charlotte, um, and she was going to work for her, her company. So I was like, I need to find a job in real estate who's doing the coolest real estate project in Charlotte. And I found Camp North End, I found the developers here at Co. Uh, reached out to them, told them my story, and they gave me a shot. You know, I, <laughs> I, I didn't really have, obviously, the resume of a real estate professional, but I think I showed passion for it. I showed, you know, I can, I'm personable enough, I can try to get things done, I could hustle a little bit. So they gave me a shot, and it's been over a little bit over a year now, and I couldn't be more thankful for this opportunity. Amazing. I mean, that's a, that truly is a really cool story. I mean, we could, I feel like I could talk about that for, for a long time. We will. We're going to have you here for a while on the show. Um, but just to, you know, as somebody who personally is going through a career transition as well right now, just to hear you say, like, hey, you know, I, maybe I didn't have the resume, but I was going to hustle, I was going to work hard. I think that's a great message to not just you know former professional athletes, but anybody who's who's going to, to looking to make a change. But you know, how has I think Camp North End? How have you helped bring soccer and the soccer culture that's growing here in Charlotte to Camp North End? Have, have you been how have you been able to merge those two things? Yeah, soccer specifically. Um, obviously, I'm a soccer player. I'm connected to some of the Charlotte FC soccer players here. So bringing them out here and showing them, you know, what we're working on and also trying to connect them with local business owners. I think it's it's easy for soccer players to kind of, and I experienced this, um, I'm playing and the only people I really talked to were other soccer players, which is funny enough, but like all of my friends in Orlando and Dallas were other professional soccer players. So I think I've tried to bring those guys out here, guys like Grant Bronico, for example, come out here, have a coffee with me and meet the owner of the coffee shop you know so I'm getting those players connected with the local business owners Fantastic. here at Camp North End I think it's a win-win for everybody you know it's a win for the players and it's a win for the small business owners uh, another thing we were able to do was host the first ever Charlotte FC uh, playoff watch party so I thought that was a great success in terms of being able to bring a huge amount of people out and enjoy the game together and you know hopefully we can dive a little bit further into that next year and just kind of you know provide a place for for gathering you know and another thing we did out here too is um the supporters groups would they would make their tifos in our one of our buildings the ford building and they would uh practice their chants out here so i think you know we are kind of becoming one of the hubs of soccer here in charlotte and the inaugural kit launch can't forget about that mm -hmm. the inaugural kit launch right. I was, that was, I was here for december that. 2021 i think when you and i came to that kit launch and time flies and like that was again yeah. hex didn't exist where we're sitting right now didn't exist yes. when that kit launch happened yeah. and it yeah. wasn't that long ago so for me you know you just if i could ask one question Question, just uh, follow up on that, you know, specifically about, you know, like soccer and engaging with the community here in Camp North End. For me, like, why, why was it development, right? That that you thought development can bring people together. Yeah, well, I just looked at. I think the way that we build our neighborhoods in the U.S. is wrong for the most part. I think that because mo most of the development in the in the U.S. is suburban sprawl, people get big single-family homes on big lots, and you have to drive 10 minutes to go anywhere. And I think for many reasons that's not the right way to do it. It's not right for um, community. It's not right for people's health because you're in your car all the time instead of walking around. It's not right for the environment. Drive-through culture. Yeah, so it's, it's, you're stuck in your cars, you know, and so I, I thought development of dense cities, um, infill development, more walkable neighborhoods, it's good for all of those things I mentioned. It's also hopefully better for affordable housing because if you can build kind of more dense, if you think of like the price of a land, or the price of an apartment or an office, space there's the land and there's the building so if you can build more houses on the same amount of land it'll be lead to more affordable housing so that that's another thing too um i can go on and on but i really i really <laughs> think right, that that <laughs> real estate development is kind of at the base of of a great city and it you know if you develop your cities right everything kind of flourishes from there it's not just what you build but how you build it not where you build it yeah for sure i just wanted to ch chime in and just say i was um at that camp north end watch party for the playoff watch party and i left at halftime down 3-0 and i said i'm getting out of here this is just too depressing but uh 
then I turned around. I got like three a mile down the road. I was like, no, I got to go back. It's too fun. I'm having too much fun hanging out at Camp North End yeah. with all with all the fellow fans. And I was rewarded with seeing two two amazing goals, uh, even though we still lost. But you know what's on our Charlotte Soccer Show bucket list this year? And maybe we can get you in there as well. We need to contribute to a TIFO. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing I was going to say is that I did I did contribute. I was able to. I painted on the uh, the Anton Walks tribute TIFO that amazing. we did for the Atlanta game uh, right at the start of last year okay. for sure. Yeah. Just, just a little, just you know. I, just I did not realize that you stroked did that. a brush a few times. I, I you know, don't a lot know if of other people did a lot more work. He didn't know you were an artist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I did. Yeah, someone it was paint by numbers. It was definitely paint by numbers. Yeah, you should come out. I gotta get. I gotta get up and yeah. do that this year. I want to say though that I completely relate to what you're saying, Tesho, about um, you know taking 10 minutes to get everywhere and it's worse in Charlotte because like you you just moved here and I don't only grudge against anyone who's moved here in the last year but there's been a lot of you <laughs> yeah. you know so like like I was let, like, let me tell you what though yeah, I say yeah. if you guys you guys obviously love Charlotte mm-hmm. and kind of my ethos like I live in Noda for example I love Noda I mm-hmm. want more people to live in Noda because I think it's a great neighborhood and I love it and, and I think that the people in Charlotte in general have been that way that they love Charlotte they see it as a great city and they've been very welcoming to a lot of the outsiders I'm sure there's some growing oh, pains yeah. that come with people like me and all the guys yeah, from New I mean, York coming I'm, but we were both outside yeah. we came here as outsiders and it was 10 years ago that doesn't mean yeah. that I have more claim than someone who came last year but I'm just saying it's crowded so I'm, yeah. get, I'm trying to get into one of these low, you know walkable neighborhoods yeah, that you're totally, talking about yes. whether I'm you know whether I know that the residential development in Camp North End is in progress right mm-hmm. you don't necessarily are there apartments open currently no or? there's 300 apartments under construction right now literally from the window obviously the people listening can't see it but we can see the yep. kind of the tip of them over there yep. uh, and those will be ready to go in October this year so we're a few months away from our first ever you know residence at Camp North End yeah one one quote you gave uh, to a, a, an interview that I read earlier uh, I think it was MLS, uh, ML, Major League Soccer, Soccer.com is what they call it. Um, and just a quote that you said that, you know, do you ever think about how, why you have to drive to every single place you go? Isn't that a little bit weird to you? And it, it should be weird, you know, like, why can't you get around, like, humanity got around for, you know, thousands of years without cars, and now uh, yeah. we can't go anywhere without them. It's just kind of uh, weird to think about it, and maybe we should, you know, walk it back the other way a little bit. Yeah, and I think, like, to me, like, cars are obviously a great tool. Like, I have two kids, and some places, like, you have to just get to with a car, but it should be that. It should be a tool, you know? Like, cars should be used sometimes, but also, like, getting places sometimes the best opportunity should be walking. Sometimes it should be biking. Like, I rode my e-bike here today. Sometimes it should be by the train. So I think just, like, giving people more options, it's ob- it's more freeing, you know? Mm-hmm. Instead of the way we build our cities right now, you literally have to use a car to get anywhere. So if you don't have a car, you're too young to drive a car, you're trapped. Like, you, you can't can't go anywhere another layer to that is too like if you ask people like you know where did you go on vacation last year or whatever a lot of people let's say you go to Disney World or to Amsterdam or whatever guess what those places are amazing because they're walkable neighborhoods. Right, you just park your car. You park your car and you park yeah. the That's what I, I know yeah. when I'm going to have a good vacation when I don't have to rent a car. 100%. Right. Yeah. And so why, why not live like that? Yes. Why, why do we Why do we only vacation like that? I think, like, I, I kind of challenge us to be like, no, we, we deserve to live like that. At least more people, you know? And I think the demand for that type of lifestyle is way higher than the supply, which is why in Charlotte, neighborhoods like Noda, Plaza Midwood, Dilworth are the most expensive places to live because they are those walkable neighborhoods. You know, mm-hmm. so kind of my. So we need more of them to bring the. We cost need more down. of them. 100. Yeah, that'll bring yeah. the cost down. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and I can speak from experience. My wife and I, uh, I guess almost four years ago now, we're looking for a single-family home, and I mean the and walkability was like our number one priority, and we had to compromise on that big time. Yeah. Just because there was no options. <laughs> yeah. Right. So yeah. I think you know we went into uh, the search for our home in Charlotte with this idea that hey, we're going to find a home that's super walkable, and then. Because that's what you were used to living uptown before that. Yes. That you walked yeah, everywhere. I was living in a condo yeah. building uptown. I was walking everywhere. I didn't even want to see my car. Yeah. Right? And 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 so we tried to make that a priority, and it just became impossible for us to do. Yep. If you wanted to have a single-family home, and you're right, we're not far from Dilworth, but we're not, you know, in Dilworth in that walkable neighborhood. Not not at all. So, I mean, what is, what, so you're playing soccer. You're having a soccer career. You're thinking about okay, what's next for me? What do I want to do for the rest of my life? That's a whole podcast in and of itself, that, yeah. that, that, yeah. that, that thought oh, process. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what? when you were playing the game, what do you think inspired you to, you know, to get into this mindset? Yeah, I think um, I just had a realization partway into my career that, okay, I've been playing soccer for seven years or whatever it was, and people don't really know me at all. Uh, and I think... You know, I would ask everybody listening to this, like, do you really know the guys on Charlotte FC? 
I don't really think you do, you know, and part part of that is because part of that is because they're not sharing parts of themselves. So my challenge to athletes is like tell people who you are. And then part of that is I think let's say from the media side, I think people could ask more interesting questions to let people's personality show more. So I had this realization, people don't know me, what am I gonna do for the rest of my life? So I decided I'm just gonna <coughs> tell people who I am a little bit more and see what comes back. And that's really what happened is I started talking about you know, my life, what I was interested in, what I was thinking about. And people would just start reaching out to me and saying, hey, you should come to this meetup with me. Hey, you should go to this event. Hey, have you read this book? Through that interaction, I kind of got nudged into the direction of this real estate development. So it, it was really just me shining, you know, my personal bat signal out to the world and being like, "This is who I am." And uh, a lot of really good stuff came back from that. It's interesting how we live in a world now where an athlete has more direct way to communicate who they are and to, you know their life to their fans. You don't have to go through uh, mainstream media. You, you can tell everybody who you are yourself. But the only thing you ever see from athletes on social media is, "Hey, game day, fired up," you know, like. You know, big game today, you know, got the three points, we go again, and there's never any, like, personality of, like, who you really are. Well, it's, it's tough, and I, I want to hear your perspective on this, specifically, because you've been in these changing rooms, you've had teammates, you've had managers, right? And to, to this point, it's like, when you're part of a team culture, lifting yourself up individually sometimes feels like the wrong thing to do. Sometimes, like, a, an organization or a manager will culturally not approve of that within the team structure, right? No one's bigger than the team. So individually, I was there ever a time during your career, have you ever had a conversation with other professional athletes that are just like, yeah, you know, I'm hesitant to put myself out there because I'm part of this team and I don't want to say or do the wrong thing and, and, and be a poor reflection of the organization? Yeah, I think, um, I think from the athlete side, a lot of people are probably scared of what is my, more so than what is the team gonna think, what is my coach gonna think, what is the GM gonna think? Okay. And yeah. because they're worried about, okay, let's say I'm, you know, I'm out here talking about myself, going to the, going to meetups, and, um, and then I play a bad game, is the coach gonna be, that's why you played a bad game? I think there is there is some of that, but I think the world is changing. You know, I think a lot of the coaches who are starting now are younger guys who who maybe understand the perspective more of like athletes are people. At the end of the day, athletes are people. All athletes are doing stuff outside of the sport. They're just not telling you about it because they're scared to. So it's not like it's not like people aren't going places and thinking about things and reading books and playing video games, fashion, all this stuff. They're just not talking about it because they're scared. So I think why not let people talk about it? Like we don't need to pretend people are just robots who only play soccer. Athletes are people at the end of the day. And I think at, I think too, from the fan perspective, fans would enjoy the game more if they knew the personalities and the drama and the story behind the individuals. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it would be a win for teams and MLS to like lean more into the direction of telling the stories of who, who are these people, who are who are these amazing soccer players and amazing men who you know are out here, men and women now that we're out here supporting. I'm gonna make a, a comparison. It's not a soccer comparison, but it happens here locally. And it's Bryce Young, the quarterback of the Panthers, right? He comes into town, and yeah, sure, like, you know, people in town would act like maybe they know him, his personality, but within four, five, six weeks into the season, it's like, Bryce Young's a bust, he's not doing a good job, this guy needs to, you know, CJ Stroud down with the Texans, we should have drafted him. It's just like, there's no patience for anything, there's no, there's no ability to take a step back and be like you know who is Bryce Young is he having a good time doing this what is when he took this job when he when he when he signed his contract as an number one pick for the Panthers in his mind maybe he maybe he thought yeah maybe in three or four years we'll be good <laughs> you know not three or four weeks yeah. mm -hmm. and if he thought that and he communicated that it'd be maybe much easier for people to understand but to your point is that what the GM or the organization wants you to say when you get drafted number one overall? Yeah, I'll give this three or four years. I might act, you know, this might actually turn into a fun project. Yeah. So it's just so it's so interesting for me to hear your perspective. It's it's um, it's honestly refreshing because you know, Danny and I we've we've been in the media business for a long time and we cover athletes and yeah, I mean the the lack of of. The, the job and the lack thereof that the, that the media business does, the reporters specifically, of humanizing athletes is poor. I think it is. Yeah, and I mean, I think it just makes it more interesting. Um, totally. Like, like, for example, Wrexham. A lot of people know Wrexham, and Wrexham is like not necessarily a great soccer team, but they're telling an interesting story, oh, you know, and that's why people want to follow that, is because they're telling an interesting story. It's a huge opportunity in soccer, it, and for me, like, okay, MLS talks about being one of the top leagues in the world eventually. 
How do you do that? Well, we're pretty far away from competing money-wise with the EPL in Spain, but we can tell a better story than them. I know we can. And to me, that's how MLS becomes one of the top leagues is by being more creative. You compete on creativity, you tell a better story, it's better for the fans, it's better for the players. I think it's a, it's a better product. At, on the USL level here in town specifically, right? we love the Charlotte Independence, uh, that organization. I think the opportunity, the pathway, pathway that USL has created for players who might not play in MLS. You know, we want to cover that program, and Danny and I, right. I have talked it adds about death to the soccer culture. It does. Well, we've talked about okay, how do we increase our coverage of the Charlotte Independence, right? And my thought is, is like we need a player to come in and host shows and just be genuinely authentic Tell us who about are. who they are and share their experience with us on a week-to-week basis about what it's like being a professional soccer player in town. To where if if we were just to interview. A player, a different player from the Charlotte Independence, like every now and again, it's like, what tour? What story are we telling? Yeah. I don't know. Not, not, not one that resonates that really tells a story about who somebody is. You're just kind of cherry picking from the roster rather than actually having someone no invested into a, a conversation. Like yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I, I feel like you guys could pull out, and I would be happy to help you guys pull that off because okay. I think more of that kind of stuff needs to happen. Cool. So when you talk, uh, one thing that I, I wanted to hear from you is how your perspective, so this whole idea of walkable neighborhoods, uh, accessibility, affordable housing, things like that, I've heard it described, is there a name for this movement that you prefer, like, I've heard it described as urbanism, I've heard it described as, you know, like, uh, redevelopment, uh, what, what, like, how do you think of it? Yeah, I think for me, urbanism is the best way to frame it, and urbanism to me is just like a belief in great cities. So kind of my framework and my guiding light is build better neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. And so that's building more dense housing, more walkable neighborhoods, more public transportation so people can get around easier, adding more trees to the city. A Mm -hmm. city like Charlotte, one of our best features is is the tree canopy, so like leaning into that a little bit further. So yeah, urbanism is just a belief in like cities are really humans best invention of all time and like let's love them and like expand on them and kind of make them great for everybody you know right now cities are are working great for some people but i think it can work better and for more people how was it informed this as you were sort of developing this philosophy in your mind and your personal life like how did having teammates in the soccer world who would come over from Europe uh, and see America, see how we do it in America, what, did, were people just like, oh my God, I can't believe like you got these giant uh, high, highway interchanges that are the size of our entire city back home, you know, just like, what's that like? I think what's funny is a lot of the guys come over and they feel that, but they don't necessarily have the words for like why that is the case, you know, and, and I would say that it's the same with, with even Americans. For example, like anybody who's listening to this who went to college, your college experience was probably so fun. You're hanging out with your friends all the time. Like, do you realize your college campus was a walkable neighborhood? Like, you did not have to drive your car to get to the cafeteria, to get to the gym, to get to like your stuff, to your work, which is school. And so, a lot of us feel these. We feel good when we're in these walkable places, but we haven't like labeled it as a walk as walkability being the reason. And so, I think for for the European players, for example, I played with when I gave them that label of walkability, they're like, yes, that's it. Like I, I can remember specifically one of my teammates was from Austria and he was like, that is exactly it. Now I'm having to drive 20 minutes to go to the grocery store, mm-hmm. you know, and, and he was feeling it, but he didn't have the words for why. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, you, you feel it. So I think like just kind of plain English explaining to people like, I know you feel this way and this is why you feel this way. It's a light bulb moment. It was for me at least a, a complete light bulb moment of like, yeah, I kind of knew that all along, but I couldn't describe it properly until kind of urbanism gave me the words for that. Does sustainability play a factor into any of this? 100%. I mean, you could, there's this you know website uh, and movement called Strong Towns that just talks about really the way we develop suburbs is not sustainable because think of a cul-de-sac, for example. A cul-de-sac is a long private driveway for a few homeowners. And so, our, like their taxes need to cover all the city infrastructure, but also like just repaving their roads, and it's not sustainable. Like people are not paying high enough taxes to sustain these huge long cul-de-sac dead-end neighborhoods. So, yeah, sustainability from like a financial point of view, sustainability from an environmental point of view, where if we build more dense housing inside of the city, then we don't need to tear down like 10 football fields worth of trees to build like another house out in the exurbs, you know? Yeah, it's unbelievable how it's all connected, truly, at the end of the day. And and, um, 
you know, we try to create a connection here, and I think it's something that Danny and I try to do with an audience with the soccer culture here. Um, but it's, certainly there's different stakeholders at, uh, at different levels, right? So where I would consider you and your organization like on the front lines, right? Where you're actually doing the work, you're putting the time in, you're spending, you know, you're, you're, you're the past your life doing yes. this, right? But there's people who are listening to the show, they're, they're driving their car right now, and they're, they're making their daily commute, and they're thinking of themselves, and I am too, like, how do I contribute on my level, right? You're, you're putting the work in. How do I actually um, recognize the work that you're putting in and use it? Yeah, I think, I mean, there's there's a bunch of different ways to do it. One is just, like, maybe talk more about it. So, okay, so educate yourself, I think, is maybe even first. So there's a book called Walkable City that I think is an amazing first place for people to start if they want to learn about these ideas. Easy read. It's by this guy Jeff Speck, an amazing person. So read Walkable City. When you think you have a grasp of these ideas, start talking about it. Talk to your friends, talk to your neighbors, post about it on Twitter, online like I was. That's another thing you can do. Um, another small step you can do is challenge yourself to, let's say anything within half a mile of my house, I'm going to walk a bike to it, period. You know, you can do that. Or let's say on Saturdays, if I'm going with, maybe it's only on Saturdays or whatever, like take these baby steps to where like, okay, I'm actually only a mile away from the grocery store. I could bike there, you know, why not? So do something like that. Oh, I could take this trip um, from my house to downtown by car, or maybe I could take the train, you know? So I think, you know, doing different stuff like that. Um, another way you can do it is just advocate in your neighborhood. Like, there's people who are trying to make Charlotte into a better city through through development, kind of like we are at Camp North End. And if you see projects in your neighborhood that you support, go out and support them. You know that yeah. a lot of times the only people who come out are the people who are against new development. Um, you know, I I think a lot of new development is great. And if you if you think the same way, go go and support that. A lot know? of people want uh, development of this nature, just not. They don't want to like close to them. Not in my, my backyard. backyard. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. They don't want to pay for it. They don't want it close to them. Yeah, they want it over on the other side of town. Those are the most vocal people, but I yeah. think that there's also a large group of people who are fine with having it in their backyard, but maybe they they just they're maybe scared off by the the NIMBY, the not in my backyard group, so they don't want to speak up. But I think that there are a lot of people who you know really do want more like. Who doesn't want a coffee shop like Hex in your backyard? You know, like right now we're across the street from the Lockwood neighborhood. There was no coffee shop here before. Now there's a coffee shop here because of real estate development that they can walk to. They can walk to a plant shop. They can walk to a burger joint, all this stuff. And that's, that's not by accident. Like people have to go out and build those things. And then small business owners need to come out and operate it. Do you think people from that may not live in Camp North End, but just live in the neighborhoods around here, will still walk over here and, and make use of the amenities and stuff? They already sure? do. Yeah, that's yeah. the reason why. I mean, there's a street called so right on Graham and Sylvania. For anybody, we just put a stoplight because the people in the Lockwood neighborhood were saying, "I want to come to Camp North End by foot. I want to walk here, and it's dangerous coming across Graham." They petitioned to the city. We got a stoplight put in. Now they have a safe walk to Camp North End. So they, yeah, they're demanding to walk over here actually. Yeah, right. yeah. I mean, this this is one of the best interviews we've ever done on the show because it gives us an opportunity to step outside of, of you know what we typically talk about, which is soccer and serve a community. By the way, Walkable City by Jeff Speck, twelve ninety nine on Amazon Kindle. No excuse not to yeah. go get. I also also go for the audio book yeah, version, and it's like yeah. I don't know six hours. You got twelve ninety nine. Yeah, you, I know you got twelve ninety nine. As, as, as an audio long time <laughs> audio producer, the audio book's the way to go. Yeah. Keep, keep, and keep I'll tell you what, honestly, moving. if anybody here does not have the twelve ninety nine, send me a message on Twitter, and I will buy you the book. Like I am, I am that passionate about this book that I will send it to you. Amazing. So, so passion is a huge part of my life. It's a huge part of Danny's life. It's obviously a huge part of your life. You know, something that we didn't cover before we get into some soccer stuff, right? Went to school, Colorado School of the Mines. Yeah. Which, in my opinion, has always been just like this fascinating, amazing logo. I don't know anything about the school. <laughs> um, are you from Colorado originally? Or? Uh, yeah, I was born in Canada, but from the time I was seven all the way through college, I, I lived in Colorado. Yeah. And so it was a Division Two school when you were there? Yeah, Division Two. So the story of how I ended up there is Golden, Colorado, where the Colorado School of Mines is. Also, they where brew the Coors where Brewery the Coors yeah. Brewery is. Yeah. So, okay, so my dad my dad used to work for Coors when I was a kid. So in the summer times, my dad would drive me to Golden. He would drop me off at the summer soccer camps at the School of Mines, and he would go to work. After work, he picks me up, he takes me home. The coach, when I was 10 years old, was the same coach by the time I was 18. Amazing. So I've known this guy, and his name is Frank Colmstein. I still talk to him all the time. I had known him since I was 10 years old. The school is one of the top engineering schools in the country. I was always good at math and science. My dad's also Nigerian, so any parents of, or 
any the children of immigrants listening know the strict educational <laughs> standards uh, your parents will put yeah, on you. Yeah, you had offers to go join an MLS academy like as a teenager, right? But you're yeah. like, no, I got to go to college first. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, but I, I definitely had strict standards put on me from that. So it was it was kind of a natural fit where I knew the coach. It was in Colorado where I was from. Uh, it was a great school. So School of Mines was really good. They had a, a good, it's a Division II school, but the program was always good. And um, after my first year at the school, a lot of teams started calling and saying, you got to get out of D2 because if you want to go pro, you have to go D1. And my coach was like, that's I, that's not true. He was like, I can help you get to MLS. And he, he really did, you know, and I was able to have a career. I got a good education and I, I still ended up in MLS. Number six overall pick, highest ever drafted Division II player in MLS history. Yeah, that's a fun fact. And I, I will say, I will say though, another fun fact for you is the best ever goal scorer in MLS history is who? Chris Wondolowski. Yeah, Wando. and he's he's a Division Two player. Yeah, so, there you go. so I would I wouldn't have known. You wouldn't have known that. Yeah, no, I didn't even know I didn't know he was the the overall goal scorer. He stuck around for a long time. Yeah, yeah, stuck around for a long time. Yeah, but yeah, Wando's so, great. So Wando um, is a Division Two player as well. So you know we've got some cachet out Hell there. Yeah. yeah, your coach was right. Yeah, he was right. Yeah, that's a great. So you know ultimately. You, we've learned obviously about what you're doing now. You know, we, we we've talked about where you, where you're from. You you ha, you have some caps for the couple caps for the for national Canadian team. national team. Yep. How did that come about? How did that experience come about? Uh, so I was born in Canada, lived there till I was seven. I actually wasn't an American citizen until this is actually a funny story. So I I was um when I I was an I was only a Canadian citizen until at the end of my first year playing in MLS, and we were actually in the playoffs the day that I became a citizen. So that morning, I went to the take the citizenship test, became an American citizen, and then scored a goal against Vancouver. Wow. So it was like a dagger in the Canadians. Wow. The exactly. Canadians are Yeah, so that, that was a funny story. Amazing. But yeah, so I had always been um, a Canadian citizen. After my first year, I got called from, I had a good first year in MLS. I got calls from US and Canada to play. And you know, my, my whole life, I was like, my goal was to represent my home country, Canada. I was only a Canadian citizen up until that year. So um, it was a no-brainer for me to go play for Canada. And the experience was really, really good for me on the field, but as a person too. Again, going to athlete as a person, I got to travel to every country in Central America because of Canada soccer. You know, That's incredible. Like I, I probably would not have gone to Nicaragua and El Salvador and Honduras otherwise. And you know, playing soccer and playing with Canada specifically like gave me that opportunity. So very, very grateful for uh, my time with Canada. It's, it's crazy how you know, your line of work can really just open up a, mm-hmm. a world. I, I'm not just I'm not talking about soccer, just anybody really. It depends what you end up getting yourself into. I might never have gone to Starkville, Mississippi if it wasn't for my <laughs> professional yeah. career. Yeah. That, that's exactly right. Yeah, totally. I mean, so it's just amazing how that can work out. And I think you know, taking those lessons and, and understanding that those certain opportunities um, were available to you because of what you were doing is an amazing thing. So I, obviously, you know, playing for internationally gives you that. What about playing for MLS, right? I think during the time you were playing in MLS, not that it was many, many, many years ago, but the league is changing and has changed dramatically, right? So what, what was it like in a, in a country that is just dominated by American football, you know, a country that loves its basketball, where professional soccer, you know, always existed in a, in a, in a, in many different communities, but didn't exist here in Charlotte until very recently. What was it like playing in a league? You already mentioned people, you know, you would walk down the street, it's not like people were like flagging you down for autographs and stuff. What was that experience like? It was honestly amazing. <laughs> it, it was a really good experience. Uh, you know, soccer isn't the most popular sport in the US, but at these pockets, like you go to places like Portland, like Charlotte now, and it's huge. You go to the games and the, the games are huge. Um, so I had so many good in-stadium experiences, and I think you know from the time I came to the league 2014 until now, watching the growth of the league from a fan perspective, watching it from a player perspective, there's more money in the league, so there's better players watching that. And then, uh, honestly, one of the biggest things that has changed from the time I grew up to now is the youth development in the country is insane. Like my last year playing 2022. We had like 16 and 17 year olds on the team that I'm like, who are these kids, man? I'm like, what's going on? Like, yeah. uh, just unbelievable players. And you know, and some of these guys aren't even sniffing the field yet, yet. But there is a wave of American players coming that are just going to be, it's just a different caliber of player because these kids have been almost professionalized from the time they were like 13 years old to their training with the academy. They're going to special high schools now. Almost anybody who signs a homegrown contract is going to like, 
online high school or a special high school because they're so focused on soccer. If they're any good, by the time they're 15 years old, they're getting they're training with the first team every once in a while, or they're training with Crown Legacy at least, for example. I, I can't help but think of uh, Nimfasa Burkimas. He's been scoring in the Youth World Cup. Yeah, you're talking yeah. about like the youth team, and, yeah. I, and you, you all of a sudden you're looking at the Youth World Cup, and there's somebody at Charlotte FC who is now yeah. down mm-hmm. at training camp, training with these guys yeah. in his first camp. And it's I'm, crazy. I'm sure that players like him are training with the first team, so you're just getting exposed to it way earlier than someone like me who I didn't get really exposed to like a professional locker room until I was 21 or 22 mm-hmm. these kids are seeing it when they're 15 16 Very they're cool. get, they're getting to see like okay how are how are the top guys tra- what are they training like what's their attitude like in training what are they doing before and after training and they can take that back with them and start implementing that into their lives when they're young so yeah watching the youth development in this country was was really unbelievable and it has me excited uh, both here in the US and in Canada for kind of the future of, of what these two countries can do Tommy Wilson? New, uh, yeah, Tommy Wilson, The uh, he's a new technical director coming in next month. It's not been announced by the club, but it's all but official. Yeah, just revamping the entire academy system. Talk yeah, Char- yeah Charlotte FC is making he, a huge he developed, investment in the academy. the Philadelphia academy from scratch, basically. Yeah. yeah. One of the be- Philadelphia's got an amazing academy, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so I mean, the, like, news, like, even in a league like MLS now, right, where Charlotte FC makes this huge statement where they're going to hire somebody from the who ran the Philadelphia Union Academy and you know not many people realize that that academy is like as good as it gets in the states not not even in the states because like if you look at they'll play tournaments like I think it's like Dallas Cup where Manchester United and Barcelona come on Mm -hmm. Philadelphia Union and FC Dallas they beat Manchester United Youth Academies like I don't think many people really know that but like the kids are for real right now they're beating the best players in Europe like today that that is happening that's happening it it must be really fun to know that's all I can think about. <laughs> I'm just thinking about World Cup 2026. Yeah. All of a sudden, oh, yeah. it, must yeah. be, it must be fun to know as a retired player, right? Like the legacy that you're leaving behind is growth, right? You, know, yeah. you did it for these young men to come through and, and do it in a different way, yeah. and you laid the foundation for that. Yeah, and I mean, it, you know, the foundation was paved before me. Hopefully, like me and my kind of generation of players did something, and a lot of those guys are still going. And then just kind of passing the baton to the next generation is exciting. And I tell you what, I love now. On the weekends, I grab you know a six pack and I sit on the couch like a lazy guy, <laughs> and I, just watching the game just as yeah. a fan it has been uh, has been a really good experience. You got to come to the match with me in the supporter section, dude. We'll have a really good time. I would love to. Yeah, I would love to. I always got an extra. <laughs> I, would, I have two t- two season tickets, so I can always bring an extra uh, if needed. I did want to ask you about um, a big news item that dropped this year of the sort of the battle between MLS and US soccer about over the Open Cup. You are a two-time Open Cup champion. You won it with Dallas. You won it with Orlando. You played on the field in both finals, right? Like, you, you. If anyone should love the Open Cup, you know, and fight for it, because there's been a lot of fighting. Like, it's you. But I think what what I've heard you say, and I'd love to hear more, is just you kind of understand why this change is happening with it. And maybe there, maybe there was just a, a better way to do this than the way MLS announced it. Yeah, for, for sure. Maybe there was a better way to announce it. Um, I, I have had many amazing experiences in the Open Cup as a player, going to different smaller cities that you wouldn't have gone to, winning it. It was all great. And I think the, the Open Cup at its best is amazing, you know. I guess, like, my question to people who are upset is, like, what exactly are you upset about? You know, I've heard that Leagues Cup, it doesn't grow the game in the country as much as Open Cup. I would kind of challenge that narrative because... The number one like audience for soccer in this country is actually Mexican or Latino soccer fans. Like mm-hmm. the Mexican league gets more viewership than MLS. I'm pretty sure on a consistent yes, basis. Yes. In the United States. Yeah, in, the United States. in fact, the Premier League finally has eclipsed this year. The Premier League eclipsed Liga MX as the most watched yeah. uh, league in the United States. So I think if we're talking about growing the game in the country, I think that MLS teams could do a better job of tapping into the Latino community here and I think Leagues Cup is you know I, the first year people can gripe about how it went but I think directionally it's correct and I think trying to trying to bridge that gap for you want all of the first generation Latino immigrants to fall in love with their local MLS team and that's going to happen when like Chivas plays against Charlotte FC the kid is going to be like man my dad loved Chivas but I'm gonna. St- I'm a Charlotte FC guy, and I stick it to them. And I think th- I really do think that that grows the game in the country. 
uh, you know, I love Open Cup as well, but I wouldn't sleep on Leagues Cup's potential as a growth vehicle. Even Nacoxa, which is not that big of a club in League MX, I mean, they're mid-range mid, mid, uh, club down there. We saw people, or I saw people in Nacoxa shirts at the match here for Leagues Cup Same. cheering for Charlotte FC. They were happy when Charlotte FC won, even though they were wearing Nacoxa shirts. So I, that speaks exactly uh, what I, I, and I have to say, I mean, when I think back at this past year, and I think about what was missing from the Charlotte FC experience, I think it, that game against Nacoxa was the thing that was missing. Mm -hmm. like, you know, there were so many highs, there was plenty of lows, you know, in the rhythm of the season. But that 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 midweek cup night against Liga Mekis squad, it just felt so different, it felt so unique, and it felt important yep. compared to maybe a US Open Cup match over out in Matthews. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. We played Orlando. We played. It was fun hearing all the uh, Orlando City fans griping about the Matthew Stadium. <laughs> like, why the fuck do we have to yeah. come all the way up here? You know, like, like that part was pretty fun. I just think like the the, the Open Cup, MLS Cup teams didn't need to say, "Hey, we're pulling our teams out." They should have just said behind the scenes, like, "Hey, encourage all the teams to just play your youth teams and just put those guys put your youth teams out there as your lineups." But I mean, you know? that's what people were already doing, right? Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. everybody was already like, going well, except for Charlotte FC last year, where a lot of the starters were playing in the Open yeah. Cup games. Yeah, but know, I mean, most teams don't play their starters until you know, I don't know, two or three rounds into it. Mm -hmm. So I, I, you know, I and I think Open Cup, like I, I hope they figure it out because it's an amazing, like it's a, it's a really big part of American soccer history. But I think that we shouldn't. The same way as I'm in favor of development, like I'm, I'm in favor of change. When new good ideas come, I think we should adopt them. I think Leagues Cup is a new good idea to reach like a market that um, I think MLS teams have not done a good job of reaching yet. I think, and it's a huge market. Like every city has a gigantic immigrant population, but specifically Latino population right. that I don't think is being talked to. And then uh, to, to, to add one more layer to that, Look at all the MLS teams. Who are the players on the roster? A lot of the players are South American or Central American or Mexican American players. Um, I think like the, the fan base is there, you know? So like the players are already representing those communities, but I don't think the clubs have represented them, if that makes sense. And Leagues Cup to me is a way to bridge that gap. You know, you know what really helps and what has helped Leagues Cup too, as far as not just North America, Central America, it's also globally. Uh, the first ever Leagues Cup happened to be won by Messi. Leo Messi. <laughs> yeah. Right? So as far as like building a foundation for a competition yeah. and what it means, like you could go somewhere in Europe right now mm -hmm. and mention Leagues Cup after its first years in existence and there's going to be some diehard footy fans over there that are like, oh yeah, we know what Leagues Cup is. Yeah. They, they probably watch the game, you know? Mm -hmm. They probably watch the game. It's yeah. just amazing how quickly things can change. I think change is like a, a huge part, I think, you know, thinking about this conversation, this episode that we're doing, like change is constant, right? It's always happening. Uh, there's been so much change with Charlotte FC. They bring in Dean Smith this year to, to lead uh, the club. In your experience, you know, were you, were you ever a part of a manager change when, when you were in Orlando? Uh, only I was once, yeah. So it's funny because my five years in Dallas, my coach was Oscar Pereja. I went, <laughs> I went to uh, Orlando. My Couldn't first get away year, from yeah, <laughs> my first year in Orlando, I was with James O'Connor, who was a great coach. I had actually my best season personally under him. I really liked James, and then, uh, but then after that, we had a coaching change, and Oscar came back in. So <laughs> I was part of one coaching change, and it was from my old coach coming back to my new team and my new city. And, but I, you know, I love Oscar. I think he he got a lot out of me and gave me a lot in my career. But so that was my only experience, I guess. Right. With well, the so coaching what would you what would you what would you say is happening right now? Like just you know, obviously you knew the man that was coming in. Yeah. Not all not all these Charlotte FC players would know. But what's it like in a changing room where you've got a group of guys who are established and part of the club? All of a sudden having to prove themselves all over again to a new boss what's that what's that like in some ways it's really good for the team because it, it's a clean slate you know obviously if if a coach and this really wasn't the case in charlotte fc but if a coach is in one place for a long time they start to maybe pigeonhole players and they they have their guys which is fair and normal uh, but yeah, they start I, I think that was happening here even if it wasn't a long time <laughs> yeah. yeah and so that that happens and i think it's normal and it's kind of what you should do as a coach like i've decided this guy is my guy and i'm gonna i'm gonna ride with him so what happens when there's a new coach is it just levels the playing field the coach says, I'm going to look at this with a fresh set of eyes and see who are the best players on the team. Actually, what positions are the best that we should play? Uh, these certain players, what formations do we play? So I think it's a clean slate where every guy, and I know I'm, they're probably on the field right now in preseason training, and it's it's a battleground, you know? Like, And, and you can prove, like, if you're good enough, you're going to play. Uh, that's kind of what the beauty of a new coach coming in. 
whereas sometimes if there's a, a place where the coaches have been there for a long time, it might be a little bit more set. New coach, anything goes. Yeah, I think about a guy like we, Danny and I joke about this, a guy like Brad Bronico. Um, it's, got, it's probably a, a type of player that Dean Smith hasn't really seen since like his Walsall days. Like, you know, like the ultimate grinder, someone who's totally fit that a manager would come in and not have a lot of expectations on, but then go through the training and realize, holy shit, man, like, how, what am I going to do with this guy? Yeah, I can't, like, I can't can keep, you know, like, yeah, yeah, I, I can't I keep got, him off the Exactly. So I think, I think that's like, where the previous managers decided and it might be up to Dean to, if he feels the same way. It's fascinating to me, just getting the perspective of a player who's been in that environment before. And I, I think, like, you know, long-term as a soccer player or in kind of anything, I'm a big believer that the cream rises to the top. So, like, the best players will show themselves as the best players, you know, and, and, you know, Dean Smith is a new coach coming in and he'll probably make some decisions that fans won't agree with and he'll probably make some mistakes like any person would, but I think over the long term, like, the good coaches will find the good players and put them in the right spots and so, you know, that's encouraging as a player, like, that was always encouraging for me to believe that that's true and I think for the fans too, like, you know, Dean Smith is, is a great coach, he's had a lot of success and I think, you know, give, give him time kind of thing to figure it out and he'll do a good job. Yeah, yeah I Patient, yeah, we, they've been preaching, preaching patience, and I think that's important. You know, we're obviously right in the middle of the transfer window, and you know, the way modern football works is fans are just clamoring for new players all the time. Yeah, what's that like? I just sort of a follow up on the previous questions. What's it like in the locker room when you have this group of guys and there's just this air that someone else is coming? Like you know, there's a big transfer. Going. You don't know who it is, but you you, you understand. What's well, like being in a locker room of a team that everybody has a sense is, is incomplete, let's say, to start a season? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I have a really good answer for that. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I, I would just say, like, all you can really do, and, you know, what I learned as I got older and more mature in my career, all you could really do is focus on yourself. So, like, mm -hmm. if I'm a striker and I hear they're going to bring in a big striker, okay, what could I do? I could pout about it or I could just try to be the best striker that Tesla can be and then hope it all works out. So, oh, wait, Nani's coming. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, what can you do? Exactly. You know, like, yeah. Nani, Nani's coming. He's yeah, an amazing Manchester player. United, yeah, he's, he's yeah. an amazing player. What can you do? Mm -hmm. All you can do as a player is kind of, like, double down on who you are. So I guess for me personally, I always found it almost motivating to hear that that kind of stuff was that there's a big transfer coming in because it's like, all right, we got to make sure that we're we're all up to the task to like, let's say one spot is taken off the starting roster. OK, then there's 10 left. I got to fight for one of those. That's a pretty good answer. It is, it's a prove yourself business, yeah. Yeah. right? Especially when you're playing up top in the forward position, right? You're thinking not only do you have to, you know, get yeah. yourself in there. You, Got to put the ball in the back of the net too. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So is that was that your? Um, I appreciate all this time. We're almost at the end of the, the interview here. I want to give you an opportunity to tell people where to find you, where to find your work. But the last thing that I want to ask you is, what's it feel like on an MLS pitch to put one in the back of the net? Well, okay, so for the Charlotte FC fans, my claim to fame in the city is I scored the winning goal against Charlotte FC in 2022 for Orlando. So it was like last minute. Uh, it might, yeah, it might have been like the 90th minute. I think the game was tied 1-1, yep. and I scored for Orlando City to beat Charlotte FC, and it was that was an amazing moment for, as a player, you know, because yeah. the home crowd is so upset at you, but then there was like our pocket of Orlando fans up in the corner that yeah, were that was so happy. Yeah, that was a great yeah, that, One of yeah. my friends from Orlando had come up, and he was using my extra ticket. I, I, I helped him <laughs> with the extra yeah. ticket, and I was like, why did I do that? Yeah. Damn it. No, you, you can't top that feeling, you know, like it's it's amazing to play. And that's what I was saying, like, you know, obviously um, soccer isn't the biggest sport in the U.S. yet. I think it, it has a potential to get there. But even then, like when you go to places um, like LAFC now, like St. Louis, it's like Cincinnati, Columbus. Look at look at the environment. It's unbelievable. It you know, it's, yes. it's, it's on par with any stadium in the world, really. Yeah. Uh, so I think... You know, the, the atmosphere that's been created and just the opportunity to be a part of that as a player is, yeah, just one of the kind of blessings of my life, I guess. It's it's crazy, and I, you know, I try not to like shit on the Panthers or shit on the NFL on this podcast because I do like American football, but when you go to an MLS game and you go to an NFL game, the experiences that you're going to have are so different it's insane like an MLS game like feels like you're going down the street you're going to watch a match you're going to enjoy yourself you're going to get out of there an NFL game feels like I, I'm, how many hours am I going to put to this today like eight hours or something like that not that you know not that I wouldn't do an eight hour day for an MLS game it just 
I don't know. There's just some the connectivity. To oh, the, and it costs three times more for the. NFL. Oh yeah. By the way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess you know what's interesting about that is uh, NFL has a good kind of culture of tailgating. Mm-hmm. So the supporter, it's like a supporter-led activity, which is tailgating. But then once the game starts, it, that kind of dies. Like there's no supporter-led anything during an NFL game mm-hmm. versus soccer. Uh, you know, soccer does have the march to the field, but then also the chants in the stadium are led by the supporters, yes. which is a bit unique in American sports. Like. There's not, like if you go to an NFL or an NBA game, there's not a supporter section of people drumming and leading chants. Right. And so I think That's Danny's big idea, by the way. He said the way, the way, the way to get Panthers fans back is just do yeah. a supporter section. I know you're listening, David Tepper. Build the supporter <laughs> section in the football field. Honestly, it's, it's obviously like soccer, in-game soccer, is the best sports experience in the U.S. And it's because of the supporter section. It's in like, I can't believe other sports are just copying that playbook. The Los Angeles Clippers just announced that they are going to have like a wall of yes. supporters section. Like a general dance. mission. No, no opposing jerseys allowed in the section and stuff yeah. like that. It's, I mean, a, it's a no-brainer. It's going to make every, it's going to make the environment for live sports a lot better if they do that. Well, despite your game-winning goal against Charlotte FC, yeah, it's fun to hear that story. We're going to put that YouTube link in the show description. <laughs> yeah, so everybody to, can, yeah. If you're going to relive it, you might as well just say so you can see the man do his work yeah. uh, and crush the hearts of many uh, for the Crown fans that yeah. that, that day. Um, just in, just in, more late goals yeah. being scored against us. <laughs> that, 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 it's, it's a pleasure talking to you. Obviously, you know, people can come up here to Camp North End and, and, and uh, find you here maybe at Hex or see you around the grounds, but where can they find you online and how do they um, engage in conversation with you? Yeah, like you said, I'm literally, I work at Camp North End and I'm here every day. I'm on site, I mean, Monday through Friday and I come on the weekends with my kids because I love it, so I'm always at Camp North End. Uh, and then online, my biggest place to find me is is X. So yeah, find me on X. Send me a DM. Shoot me a message. Whatever. I'll you know like if you start talking about this kind of stuff, I love it. I'll I'll engage. Um, yeah. So I think that in person at Camp North End, and then on online on X is probably the best two places to find me. Fantastic. It's been a pleasure to meet you. Thanks yeah. for taking so much of your time here. Uh, we enjoy these long form interviews because we can just you know sometimes the conversation goes six different, seven different ways, and I feel like we we had the chance to do that with you today. So. Thanks so much for your time, and um, you know we're gonna have to come up here to watch a Charlotte yeah. FC match this year. There's, there's, it's, there's it's no the doubt cards, about that. The books, yeah, we're gonna have yeah. To I mean, there's, like we're here at Hex, this coffee shop, but like there's all kinds. Of, there's a burger joint. There's a Blue Barn Burgers right down the street. There's like three or four bars around here that aren't open yet. They're gonna be open later tonight. Like I'm amazed at the, uh, the amount of like hangout spots that have been added to this place just in the last two years since that infamous kit release party. So. It's the Charlotte Soccer Show. John Hayes, Daniel Bramlett, and special guest Tesho Akindeli is here with us and hey we if you're listening to this over the weekend on a friday or saturday on monday dean smith gonna have a press conference um we'll be there at that press conference asking some questions about how the first week went um down at training camp in miami for charlotte fc so we'll be back with an episode after that next week but until then for the crown baby